What brings you here? You have come, perhaps, to be with others who care about what it means to live on this beautiful blue-green world. You have come to be with your innermost self, to feel those deep wells within you brimming with courage and vision. You have come to rest and to be quiet, to be renewed by not having to be anyone other than who you are right now. You have come to cry out, to rattle those walls of contain all the prisoners of injustice, greed and isolation. And when the time comes to tear those walls down, you are welcome. The world needs a few people who are honest, even to the point of accepting their imperfection. The world needs a few people who are brave enough to risk individual comfort for the sake of a larger love. The world needs a few people who honour their own pain as well as their ability to somehow transform pain into compassion. The world needs a few people who step into the unknown, carrying enough love to make things interesting. The world needs a few people who are ready to come alive. And the sign-up sheets are not on any wall, but wait eternally within the human heart. So, let us gather in peace and let us make room for the infinite possibilities of the spirit. Welcome, friends, to this precious hour. These opening words are written by our ministry friend and colleague, Bob Janice Dillon, who ministers up in the northwest of England. And those words bid you good morning. Good morning to you all and welcome to Essex Church and to this gathered community of the spirit of Kensington Unitarians. Today, Jane Blackhall and I are completing this month's ministry theme of time and transience. And we're considering the value of reflecting on how we choose to spend our days. Our chalice flame is lit, this Unitarian symbol of welcome, connecting us with progressive communities the world over and reminding us with its one light that we are one people living one life together here on our one planet Earth home. I'm glad you've chosen to spend Sunday morning here. We're moving into a time of prayer now, prayer and reflection. So let's take a moment to get ourselves into the right state of body and mind to pray together, to be fully present here and now in this time and space with ourselves, with each other, and that which lies beyond. You might want to put down anything you don't need to be holding. This might be a slightly longer time of prayer than usual, so I invite you to relax into it as we take the time and space we need to reflect on our lives and the week that's just passed. Spirit of life, God of all love, 
mystery of the universe and ground of our very being. Bless our gathering this morning as we attend to matters of ultimate concern and tune into your presence amongst us and within. We are here this day because we know that what we do with our life matters. We are here because we know the choices we make each day matter. That with every act of kindness or meanness, courage or fear, love or hate, we are weaving the fabric of the universe that holds us all. We're here this day because we need encouragement, because we need strength, because so often we get distracted. We get in a rush, we don't think. We sometimes choose the easy way, when the harder path may be what our spirits truly long for. here this day because none of us is perfect but together we inspire each other to try again to take another step we're here because we felt the stirrings of love and grace in our hearts and our hands and we crave more of that for ourselves but not only for ourselves for everyone everyone So let us look back over the past week now and silently give thanks for those joys and pleasures we've known. Moments of love, friendship and camaraderie. Experiences of wonder and delight, reassurance and relief. Bursts of playfulness, spontaneity and generosity. Feelings of achievement, creativity and flow. All those times when we felt most alive and awake. And let us also ask for the consolation, guidance and forgiveness we may need as we acknowledge our sorrows and regrets too. Times of loss and pain, anger and fear. Periods of uncertainty and anxious waiting. Realisation of our own weaknesses, mistakes and failings. Awareness of missed opportunities, those things left unsaid or undone. 
all those moments when we struggled and felt like a mess. At expanding our circle of concern, let us bring to mind all those people, places and situations that are in need of our prayers right now and hold them in the light. Maybe family, friends or loved ones, those who are closest to our heart. Or maybe those we find difficult, with whom we're in need of reconciliation. Or maybe those we don't know so well, those we've only heard about on the news. God of all love, we offer up our joys and our concerns, our hopes and our fears, our beauty and our brokenness, and call on you for insight, healing and renewal. As we look forward to the coming week, help us to live well each day and be our best selves, using our unique gifts in the service of love, justice and peace. Amen. This, this reading, I think, is a reading for any of us who've ever thought badly about ourselves. And I guess that's almost all of us. Um, who've ever thought, oh, if only, dot, 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 then I'd be pleased with myself. It's called Even This Is Enough, and it's by Vanessa Rush Southern. So much undone. So much to do, so much to heal in us and the world, so much to acquire, a meal, a healthy body, a fit body, a lover, a job, a better job, proof that we have and are enough just around the corner of now. And up against it, the reality of all that falls short and the limits of today. Here, we honour the limits. If your body won't do what it used to, for right now, let that be enough. If your mind won't stop racing or you can't think of the word, let it be enough. If you are here feeling utterly alone and in despair, be all that here with us. <coughs> if today you cannot sing because your throat hurts or you just don't have the heart for music, be silent. When the offering bag comes around, if you don't have money to give or the heart to give, well, let it pass. The world won't stop spinning on its axis if you don't rise to all occasions today. Love won't cease to flow in your direction. Your heart won't stop beating, all hope won't be lost. You are part of this world's plan for salvation. Of that I have no doubt. The world needs its oceans of people striving to be good to carry us on the shores of hope. 
to wash fear from the beachheads and cleanse all wounds so they can heal. But oceans are vast, and I am sure there are parts that don't feel up to the task of the whole some days. Rest then, as you must, like the swimmer lying on her back who floats for a time, or the hawk momentarily carried on cushions of air. Rest in seats made to hold weary lives in space carved out for the doing of not much but being. And perhaps then we will feel in our bones, in our weary hearts, the aching, healing sense that this is enough, even this, that we are enough, you are enough, enough. And for these and all the prayers of our hearts, unspoken in this hour. Let us say Amen. We've come now to a time for meditation, so once again you might like to have a wiggle and get yourself comfortable in your chair, put down anything you don't need to hold. You might want to close your eyes or focus on the candles in the centre. I'm going to read some words by Elizabeth Tarbox to take us into the silence. She's a writer who often turns to the natural world to help us reflect on the struggles of everyday life, to take inspiration and comfort. And in this piece titled The Healing Moment, you can imagine her walking along a wild coastline and gazing out to sea as she ponders. After these words, we'll have a good few minutes for silent meditation and shared stillness, followed by some music from Abby and Sandra. As ever, you're free to think your own thoughts and meditate in your own way. Elizabeth Tarbox writes, Each day I am newly reminded of my unworthiness. A dozen thoughts misspoken. Another day when the good I do falls so far short of the good I could do. Myriad small interchanges, moments of sharing that strain to breaking point my desire to be generous, helpful and kind. Months of careful work lost by a moment's impatience, a careless word. But when I am here, at the edge of creation, breaking with the small tide over the sand, the need to do good rolls away. The question of what is right diminishes to insignificance and is easily borne away by the tiny waves. Here, where no words are spoken, none are misspoken. I am with the broken stubble of the marsh grass that holds on through the wrecking wind and burning flood. I am with the grains that mould themselves around everything accepting even so unworthy a foot as mine, holding and shaping it until it feels that it belongs. I stand somewhere between truth and vision, and what I don't know ceases to embarrass me, because what I do know is that the water feels gentle, like a lover's touch, and the sand welcomes it. What I have done or failed to do has left no noticeable mark on creation. What I do or don't do is of no moment now. Now I am here, 
and grateful to be touched, calmed and healed by the immense pattern of the universe. And when I die, it will be an honour for my blood to return to the sea and my bones to become the sand. Reassured, I am called back to my life, to another day.
I've got a confession to make. It's about something that's afflicted me all my life, and I guess some of you already suspected this. You'll have seen the signs. I'm sorry to say I've got a bit of a problem with procrastination. <laughs> or possibly it's more of a problem with the length of my to-do list and the ever-growing number of tasks I take on and say yes to without realistically taking account of how many hours there actually are in the day. A lot of these tasks get done just in time, with more deadline-related drama than is probably necessary whilst burning the midnight oil. I've just always been this way. And I know last week Sarah spoke about her slightly troubled relationship with time too, that habit of, in hope, cramming just one more thing into a schedule that's already way too busy. But a while back, in, a habit, in an attempt to break this procrastinating habit of a lifetime, I started reading up on strategies for time management and productivity. I signed up for various motivational email lists offering hints and tips on how to make the most of your day and realise your full potential. As a result, now, each morning, I get a bunch of emails with subject headings like one simple product productivity hack that people never talk about, or how to quickly crush seven things that are ruining your productivity, or how an ancient Greek philosophy can help boost your productivity. All those are genuine subject lines. I sit there eagerly reading all these pumped up emails before breakfast instead of actually getting on with the to-do list. <laughs> but I probably have learned at least a few things about how to be a bit more efficient along the way. I increasingly find myself wondering though about a deeper take on time and how we use it. There's a short quotation by the author Annie Dillard, it's on the front of your order of service today, one I first heard many years ago, and it floats through my mind every now and then, although I think it's one of those sayings where the more I think about it, the less sure I am what she actually meant by it. See what you make of it. She said, how we spend our days is, of course, how we spend our lives. What we do with this hour and that one is what we are doing. How we spend our days is, of course, how we spend our lives. I wonder what sort of reaction arises in you as you hear those words. I find it's one of those sayings that can strike me either way, depending on the day. It could be quite challenging, it could be quite comforting. One day I can hear it as, look at all these opportunities you have to shape your own life's meaning. Each new day is a fresh chance to do something worthwhile and leave your mark on the world. Another day it sounds like, what are you even doing with your life? <laughs> Wasting the days away. The way I react to it, it's almost like one of those ink block tests which reveals my underlying mood. How we spend our days is how we spend our lives. Such a short quotation, but one I think is packed with paradox. It hints at the tension that there is in all our lives between doing and being. A question which occurs to me, and perhaps one for each of us to ponder in our own hearts, is this. How would we want to spend our life? Or to put it another way, what do we hope our legacy would be? What meaning will we have made of it all? When we get to the end, if we have a chance to look back on how we've spent all those days, how we've spent the one precious life on earth we've been given, what do we hope it will all have amounted to? And there's a further clarifying question, perhaps. How does this line up with what might be required of us by God, by the world, the cosmos? What might we be called to do with our lives for the sake of something greater than ourselves?
for some, perhaps, this is the ultimate guiding principle as to how we choose to spend our lives. And I know these are tough questions, ones that we might wrestle with for the rest of our days. One of the things we can definitely take from Annie Dillard's words, perhaps, is the reminder that if we do have ambitious aspirations, perhaps we dream of creating a literary masterpiece or helping to bring about the revolution, we can't keep putting it off until tomorrow. If we want to make those dreams a reality, we ought to be doing something, even if it's a very little something, towards our cherished goals today. Because now, this moment is all we've got, and all too soon it just gets away from us. As Annie Dillard says, what we do with this hour and that one is what we are doing. Whether we're striving to make a big splash in the world or not, though, we will all leave a legacy of some sort when our time is up, and what it amounts to will emerge out of how we've chosen to spend all these days we've been given. And making our lives meaningful is not primarily about striving for newsworthy achievements. Think instead about the legacy of love and caring you might leave by raising a family, by helping to organise a community or a congregation, for standing up for people who are downtrodden and oppressed, by tending a little plot of land, perhaps. You might not win a Nobel Prize by doing any of these things, but it will still add up to a life very well spent. And how we choose to spend each hour that's at our disposal becomes deeply significant. I should say I'm conscious that not all of us have that much freedom to choose in our present society, being constrained by factors such as finance and health, perhaps excessively long working hours and caring responsibilities, but how we each choose to spend those hours that we do have some freedom to cho choose, well, that's crucial. The world is full of seemingly endless need. There is no shortage of worthwhile work to be done. But life is not all about doing. And it's important to remember this, especially as people of faith. We live in a society where human worth is all too often, it seems to me, and shamefully so, measured solely in terms of a person's productivity. Here though, in this church, the message is radically different. Every single human has inherent worth and dignity. We are all worthy and beloved, no matter what. Yes, there's no end of work to be done, sacred and holy work for the healing of the world too. But in striving to follow their calling, fulfil their potential, or meet the world's endless need, people often neglect to look after themselves properly. They risk burnout. And we're worth more than that. <coughs> there can be a sort of violence embedded in this fervent drive for achievement and productivity, even when it arises from the best of intentions, or it seems to be an aid of a good cause. Yes, of course we should aspire to make a positive work mark on the world, to leave it better than we found it, but in a paradoxical way, it both matters and doesn't matter what we choose to do with our life. Think back to that meditation by Elizabeth Tarbox that we heard earlier. She sets out lamenting another day where the good I do falls so far short of the good I could do. But she walks by the shoreline, her perspective shifts from doing to being. When I am here at the edge of creation, the need to do good rolls away. And she's ultimately reassured by the realisation that what I have done or failed to do has left no noticeable mark on creation. Now I am here, 
and grateful to be touched, calmed and healed by the immense pattern of the universe. <clears throat> we might feel down on ourselves for not making enough of a difference in a desperate world, for not acting in ways that are as kind or as loving or as creatively brilliant as we might have imagined. But Elizabeth Tarbox reminds us that we don't have to do anything at all to deserve cosmic love. Just be. I still wonder, though, if there's not a dynamic balance to be found between doing and being, between work and rest, striving for self-improvement and accepting yourself just as you are. Maria Popova, the writer and curator of the excellent Brain Pickings blog, which is about all things artistic and philosophical and just a wonderful resource. Maria Popova describes this tension as the existential tension between presence and productivity. The existential tension between presence and productivity. Life coach Ariana Kessel has also reflected on the implications of Annie Dillard's words. She makes the observation that if you don't consciously keep an eye on this balance, you're likely to veer off in one of two directions. You might find yourself engaging in lots of productive activity towards achieving your life goals, but then neglecting your relationships and your self-care. Or you can be paying proper attention to your relationships and self-care, but wander off and spend much of your time and attention on slightly random, perhaps compulsive activities which don't really align with your long-term intentions, your goal as to what all your life is about. For Kessel, it seems, this ideal balancing act would result in a daily life which is aligned with your cosmic sense of purpose while still being grounded in proper care of self and others. It's not easy. And I don't think she's saying it's easy either. It will take mindfulness, intention and commitment to notice which way we're veering at any given moment and course correct as necessary. I'm thinking perhaps that having signed up for all these daily productivity emails, I could do with signing up for an email list in a parallel universe which will coach me on how to be unproductive. One which would send emails each day reminding me of the value of doing nothing, whimsically drifting for a bit, being blissfully idle, one that advocates for all the benefits of saying no to purposeful activity, at least for a bit, so that we can truly say yes to making space for reconnection, rest and renewal, knowing that this restorative fallow time will most likely help us rediscover our enthusiasm anyway, giving us the oomph that we need so we have a bit more to give when we're back on the clock. Maybe it'll even help us return to our responsibilities with a greater sense of joy and purpose. And Dillard herself speaks up for habit, routine and daily rhythm, all as necessary stabilising structures which build in protected time for work and for rest, doing and being, productivity and presence. Another writer, Laura Shadler, reflects on her own life in the light of Dillard's words. She says, I start to wonder what exactly it is I'm doing with this hour and that and if it's really how I want to spend my life. When I worry about my hours, it's my use of technology that I immediately turn to for critique and ritualised rejection. Yet I've come to realise it's much more about habits, thoughts, intention and energy. It's about mindfulness. In many ways, it's no better a use of your hours to be willfully out of touch, non-participatory, a Luddite or a hermit. Those inclinations bring their own set of issues and challenges. Still, she continues, 
When I think of the hours that equal my life, I want to be careful. It's true, we need downtime, guilty pleasures, bad habits and superficial indulgences. I'm a huge fan of having an eclectic mix of interests and pursuits. We need to set text back and forth to our friends with silly emojis. We need to connect or retreat at certain times for a gajillion reasons. A life can't be all one way or all another. It's countless tiny moving parts. But Annie Dillard's assertion is a meditative reminder that we need to keep the balance in our life more heavily geared towards the beautiful, the sincere, the focused, the real life connected, the tangible, the creative, the political, the adventurous, the strange, the engaged and the attentive. Words from Laura Shadler. So ponder for a moment your own life. How do you spend your days? How do you feel about the present, uh, the balance between presence and productivity? Maybe this balance has shifted one way or another over the course of a lifetime. And is there something that you love to do or dream of doing which isn't happening in your life right now because there doesn't seem to be the necessary space and time for it? Are you perhaps too caught up in worldly demands to give your time to what matters most? What is it that you want to leave behind? What legacy of love and caring? And might you consider changing things up, reprioritizing, making time for it while you still can? And do you have a way of regularly checking in with yourself, daily prayer or journaling perhaps, to reflect on your doing and being, your balance? You might find it helpful to set aside time at the end of each day to review and relish it, to remember with gratitude your joys and pleasures, to celebrate your achievements, to notice how you've spent your day and how you've done at that daily balancing act. And then as the saying goes, hand it over to God knowing that you are loved anyway. I'd like to close with an echo of those words from Vanessa Rush Sutton, which Sarah read for us earlier on, and which speak to that push and pull between productivity and presence. So much undone. So much to do. So much to heal in us and the world. But if your body won't do what it used to, for right now, let it be enough. If your mind won't stop racing or can't think of the word, let it be enough. You are part of the plan for the world's salvation. Of that I have no doubt. So rest as you must. Rest in this place made to hold weary lives in space, carved out for the doing of nothing much but being. And perhaps then you will feel in your bones, in your weary heart, the aching, healing sense that this is enough. That we are enough. Amen. So as we leave this community of the Spirit, may we remember the difficult lesson that each day offers more things than we can do. May we do what needs to be done. Postpone what does not, and be at peace with what we can be and do. There is in the end only one thing required of us, that is to take life whole. The sunlight, 
and the shadows together, to live the life that is given us with courage and humour and truth. We have such a little moment out of the vastness of time for all our wondering and loving. Therefore, let there be no half-heartedness. Rather, let the soul be ardent in its pain, in its yearning, in its praise. And let us truly live the life that is waiting for us. So in the week to come, let us each spend our days wisely and well. Amen. Go well and blessed be.